Welcome to the Phenomenal Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why and what it takes to build a phenomenal and fulfilling career that stands out. I'm your host, Just Jazz, career success coach and tea lover who believes you can do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your career deserves. Welcome to this week's episode of the Phenomenal Career Podcast. Today, I'm really, really excited to introduce you to our guest. We have the one and only Ayo Odesanya. Hi, Ayo. How are you? Hi, Jazz. I'm good. How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, Thanks for tuning in. So my name is Ayo Odesanya. I am a solicitor, so associate solicitor, fully qualified. I currently specialize in anti-money laundering and compliance, but I also have a side hustle as if the day job isn't difficult enough. I have a side hustle where I um, run Lead Collective, which is a platform where I help uh, small startups, so startup businesses, entrepreneurs and influencers with things like their contracts, their business plans and um, intellectual property. So I like to say I help you protect your passion and your profit because what's the point of doing all this hard work and then you lose all your money because it's not well protected. Yep. Oh, yes. It's tough. (laughs) And I love the way that you describe that, protecting your passion and your profit, because I think that's as, as somebody who's a fellow side hustler to begin with um it starts off with a lot of passion and quite often we can think that everybody gets it everybody gets the love of it and nobody will ever turn around and change their mind about something or have an issue with anything because everyone's friends and everyone's networking and you know and it can be quite easy to forget that at the basis of it it's a business and just like most businesses there there are some rules of engagement yeah, there, there are a few definitely. documents that are important to protect everyone's interests. Um, so I guess all of this makes me curious because it feels like you are law through and through 24-7 or 24-6. In a way, yes, because I am the person who would advise you. I don't care if the business is with, is with your mum. Like mm. I used to, so I'm saying this now, <laughs> so I used to... Um, help my mum. My mum's a teacher. So I used to help her with lessons and stuff. And she wanted me to do something for her. And I actually drew up a contract. I was like, because I don't want any, I don't want any trouble. <laughs> so like, it's fine, mum, in the end, I'll probably end up taking your money anyway, or you end up taking mine. It, you know, there's no animosity in that mm. regard. And that's what I try and tell people. Just because you have a, con- uh, sorry, a contract drawn out with family members doesn't mean there's any animosity. It's just for it to be there to say, look, this is what we're getting involved in because you don't know what can happen 10 years mm. down the road. And um, I'm sorry, whether or not I'm, you know, your mom, whether or not it's your sister, if I've invested, for example, a hundred thousand pounds mm. in your business and then something goes horribly wrong because you were negligent, run me my money. I'm mm. so sorry. You know, that kind of stuff. So it's just a way of everybody protecting themselves. And I think when a contract is in place, people tend to act better. Mm. as well yeah I think there's a lot there's a lot of horror stories around sort of these these handshake agreements or we're friends 
friends, we're friends. They'll never do that to us. And at the end of it, you know, we, we end up hearing those stories when they spiral into lawsuits of detaching the partnership or exactly like you said, something goes wrong and there's no, there's no paperwork to even tell the insurers that you are a, you know, you're somebody yeah. who's owed money or yeah. you're somebody who has a stake or should be consulted in certain things. And I think, Again, going back to the passion point, when a lot of people start out, they don't consider that because they think who would want to what, you know, or even when we start to mix business with personal and other stuff. Right. When when you look at our businesses and how they work in terms of like marriages and stuff. So you got into yeah. a business with a partner who was single at the time she got married. So there's a sharing of assets going on. Husband doesn't like you. Husband doesn't want that. And I'm, I'm, I'm gendering this and I'm, yeah. throwing some, <laughs> I'm getting theatrical with this, but I'm saying that is a, a huge case in point of you just never know. Of course. What happens. Of course, because marriage in itself is a contract, let's be honest. So mm. you see it like that as well, because you're a single individual getting with another single individual. You could have your own property and your own business. How mm. do you deal with that coming, you know, coming into a partnership? So to me, it all works the same way. There needs to be some form of agreement in place. Look, when you get married and you want to join your assets, you do it mm. legally. Yeah. Just because my name changes, but documents would have to change. So I, I just can't roll up to the bank and say, you know, I want to, I want access to my husband's account. I'm, my name is not on there. So, <laughs> yeah. so things like, so if we have to take that step, if we use the example of marriage, like you said, why yeah. not a business partnership? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, we could talk about this forever. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I want to get into you. Did you always know that you wanted to be a solicitor? You wanted to practice law? Oh, no, no. Not zero, zero, not at all. When I was younger, I wanted to be um, an air hostess because every time we used to travel, Virgin Atlantic uniform, what the red? It was amazing. Like the colours were sharp. And every time I used to see them, so there was that. I went through a period when I wanted to be a pediatrician, went through a period when I wanted to be a director, I wanted to be an actress, a singer. So I was never one to be like, oh, when I was five, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. It was never that. Um, I was always into reading and to books and into books because uh, my granddad, so my dad's dad, he used to bribe my sister and I um, every summer and say £10 per every book you can finish over the Ooh. summer period. Oh, my. So, you know, wow. so we used to like, and as a young <laughs> as, as a young kid, you think, oh, £10, I could do a lot with that. So, you know, you accumulate that over the summer. So reading has never been an issue for me. Um, so, but... The funny story is I didn't want to do law at mm. all, but I'm African. So unless you read medicine or you read law or you're an accountant or an engineer, do you really have a career? Mm. <laughs> you know, are you really a professional? That's the kind of era I grew up in. And uh, before I went to uni, I actually got into a film school um, to study uh, directing filming and um, directing and that's what I really wanted to do I really had a thing with movies I used to watch movies with my dad we used to dissect it so there was always that interest whether or not I would have liked it as a course I will never know but mm -hmm. that's what I applied for and that's what I got into and my mum went through the roof she said over her dead body not mm -hmm. going to happen you have to have you know um a concrete career so yeah. just to speak so I ended up applying for law as a Oh, what do you call this? You know, when you go to clearance, 
because it mm. was never any of my um, any of my options. So I got into uni via clearance to do law, and that's where that kind of started. So for a long time, it was a case of I'm stuck in it because it's the only um, it's the only thing I studied at uni. So it wasn't even like I did law and something that I could yeah. then segue. It was just full law, and it, the expectation was you do the years at uni, you do the training contract, you qualify. After mm. you qualify, you can do what you want with yourself. <laughs> basically so that's what that's what it was like just think yeah. along the way for me I found the pocket of the legal system that mm. I enjoyed so along the way I ran into anti-money laundering and compliance in the finance industry and the property industry which is what I'm in now yeah. so along the way I kind of found my place in the legal sector but no it didn't start out that way at all Wow. Wow. Even just the things that would have had to come together for that clearance opportunity to be there, even down to exploring it, because I think that's one thing that I took for granted. I I definitely have a lot of friends who are African who have this law degree and have done a full 360 and they probably had a similar conversation with their parents where it's like you, you graduate, you walk across that stage with that I literally gave my mum my certificate. I was like, here you go. <laughs> literally like, here you, go. You, you can then do what you want, but I will not rest <laughs> until I know you have that safe, secure, prestigious, assured. And I think now as career. a mother, I get it. Mm. I get everybody's fear of because you've got to think how their generation um were treated in the country, mm. you know, being black and being African or even of a Caribbean descent, and how things were difficult. So I do understand wanting your children to have this form of security yeah but I think it wasn't until I had finished uni and I struggled to get a training contract it took like a year and a half or something Mm. something like odd jobs my mom to kind of understand and for her to start thinking if I had let you go the route you wanted to go you know go down would you have struggled this much to kind of qualify and to get a job but you know the older you get the more you understand the sentiment behind it but I would do things differently now Mm. with my daughter but with the same sentiment because I want her to have a good background but I'll probably go about it a different way and have you know start having conversations with her early on not Mm. last minute in college no this is what you're going to do just like okay GCSE time there's a lot of options here let's talk exactly exactly (laughs) so it's it's just one of those things I do think we're living an era now where um the creative industry is now a thing Mm. so back then they couldn't see the value of the creative industry but now you know I'd like to think our generation has learned from that so if my you know, daughter was not to come up and say, I want to become an actress. That's fine. Mm. Become the best actress you can be. And I will always give the advice my dad gave to me. And my dad's advice is whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever industry you're in, find the business side Mm. of that industry because that's what pays. Yeah. So for me, at any point, I can be fired from my job. Mm. But if I have the business, I've taken my knowledge from that and I've created my own business. I will always have something. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to have a business because it doesn't yeah. work like that, but anything can happen. And I've learned the business side of my industry. So I can mm. always find a way to function. So that's yeah. it. You want to become an actress? Be the best actress you can be. But what is the business side of acting? What else can you do that you're just mm. not at the disposal of other people? Yeah. 
And I definitely, even as you were talking through that, it's a hundred percent our parents' generation and our parents' gen- generation, be- parents' parents' generation, sorry, yeah. before that had no examples no. of this creative pathway ending up well. And even as we sit here and record today, I start to think of people like Michaela Cole and John Baeger, yeah. who they started out. Michaela Cole started out scrappy. The the show that we see on Channel 4 started out on YouTube. She started out doing things, but both of whom are now being handed millions to produce. So even if they don't step in front of a screen, they are now on the business end. It's the same with Rihanna. She's a singer. When was her last album? Does anybody know? And nobody should ask her because she's doing great. Billions. She stepped into the business. She segued into it. Mm-hmm. And that is creative. That was a creative path where we're now seeing them earning the same respect, job security, income of the other esteemed careers and industries yeah. and professions. And that's not to say that everybody ends up being that. Like we're, we're obviously talking about exemplars because you don't hear mm-hmm. about the stories of those who struggle and struggle and struggle and they don't end up with the film ending. Um, but I think that that's a really important thing for us to see and and to recognise because then it starts to build that in. And then also layered with the fact that now quite a few of us, even if we identify as millennial or that sort of generation, we've now seen a few recessions, which has shown us none of these pathways are safe. Literally, like be this this pandemic forget mm. the recession mm. yeah yeah let's let's, let's sit in the moment like opened my eyes to you as an individual you are expendable mm. so what is your standout key what is the thing for you because um i'm one of the people i work in a uh, i no longer work in the city like a law firm so i've moved mm. out of london now and everything so i work in-house for a property company i was one of the hundreds of people that they furloughed at the beginning Mm. of um at the beginning Mm. of this whole pandemic so i'm lucky that i was furloughed and not fired Mm. so i'm very grateful for that there were loads of people who lost their jobs and things along those lines but in doing that it kind of showed you the business doesn't need you per se like it's great for you to have the job and to do it but Ah, this pandemic has just opened my eyes to, I don't even know what the word is. I don't even know how to describe it. Like anything can happen at any moment. Mm. And you, and how do you prepare for that? Yeah. Can you prepare for that? Can you? Even when I think about the preparation, because I worked with people that were fired during furlough and a lot of the work was around mindset and perspective Mm. And being creative, because again, we are trained to make choices that narrow our options. Yeah. You're trained to specialize. You you did, you did your undergraduate. Oh, you're so you're going to do your master's in the exact same thing, right? Mm, You're going to go into the training plan that's very structured and you end up at the same thing. And when that industry says, we don't have those roles, we don't have budget for that right now. You go, what else can I do? I've spent the last eight years of my life 
becoming excellent in this one thing. Um, and it's not to say that when we do that, we don't have other things, but we're just not trained to think sideways. We're not trained that's to true. think in that sense. Um, and that's a huge thing. But also even looking at the industries, watching companies, the very same company who let hundreds of people go in May 2020, now are hiring. <laughs> And, you know, and this is what I mean. It just goes back and forth. That's why, you know, I, I it's 100%. It's not stable. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not. always in flux. And it's almost like you just have to roll with it and have, almost have your ever-changing plan B mm-hmm. behind that. And that's why I 100% agree with what your your father said. Because even if it doesn't mean you starting your own business, because I will also be the first person to say it's not for everybody. It's not. But that's why a lot of people say, well, try and get into investing, try to get an understanding of that, because that's still you leaning onto the business side, but having that understanding of what are the industries that are everlasting are always needed? What are the roles that are always needed to a certain extent? How can I find myself there in some way? Yeah. So the the unfortunate thing is nobody has a crystal ball. So nobody Mm. knows what industry is going to do well. Nobody knows, um, you know, what what company is going to stay um, on top of its game? So, for mm. example, the pandemic, we work, for example, yeah. their entire structure was based on people leaving their house, coming into a shared workspace and, you know, building the community, this and that, this and that. But let's be honest, behind the whole thing, it was a real estate business. It's real estate. Oh, my estate gosh. And things. It's, it's just, sorry, when people just said, they're too big to fight. So it's like, they owe some landlords some money. There's some leases. And that's There's quite the thing, a few leases. this pandemic that's... happened and people couldn't meet. People mm. couldn't be in the same space unless it was your household. So a business that you thought, whoa, wow, amazing structure, amazing way of making business. This whole thing happens. And that business has now what? It's it's are they now bankrupt or they on bust? I have no idea what um, mm. you know what their current situation is. And you have things like um Airbnb as well that yeah. was doing so well, but again, it relied on people and this pandemic. Mm. So it, it's just one of those things where you just never ever know. So if learn as much of everything as you can. <laughs> Not Just necessarily be, be a jack of all trades, <laughs> master of none, but yeah. learn as much of, you know, if you're sold in one industry, learn mm. about that industry, learn the different aspects. You know, how does the director of this company stay director mm. of that company? How do you get, you know, to that to that level? And that's what I'm doing now in my business. I want to know what the structure of the business is. How does this yeah. business function? Because if I have to move, not necessarily move in terms of moving the business. I'd want to but move internally. To move to internally because yeah, that's also what happened. People said we're shutting down this department. We don't have budget, but there's a space over in this it. corner exactly because you know we want to keep you as part of the business. But there's just no budget in your department, yeah. or there's no work coming in on your department. So understanding those internal shifts that you can make, where you can still Definitely. make yourself valuable to them and articulate that be ready to articulate that and say you know I know I'm in this team but I've done a number of projects with this other team and you know I did actually do a module on it I've observed it I think I could pick it up quite quickly and then the the you know make the company think and they go oh okay so if we were to write a list of people this this person's looking a little bit more like a Swiss army Mm -hmm. knife maybe we should consider and the truth is in a crisis most companies Mm -hmm. will prefer to hire internally 
mm. than start to put advert there and maybe train somebody else. And, you know, a lot of managers would want to work with people who they already work mm. with, yeah. unless you're really terrible and they don't like you. Yes, but um, exactly. <laughs> outside of that, <laughs> I do think a lot of, you know, managers would prefer just moving somebody I already know over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing where, you know, I'd even say I have a newfound understanding of how the law agreements contracts become so important in my own life last year because um beginning of the pandemic I watched all the people that I knew within entrepreneurial spaces lose money. Mm. <laughs> Poof. Just gone. All the bookings just gone. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, you know I reached out to somebody I know who practiced law and she was just setting up as as a side hustle um and I said I'm I'm I still have plans to move forward in my business this year but I'm not trying to get the biggest deal of my life and watch it disappear I need some paperwork I need some agreements to make sure that everything's clear and that if it does disappear there's a notice period attached there is a deposit that's not refundable that there is something there and also at the same time of having that conversation with her I was a contractor at my full-time role so even within that there were some agreements that I was looking at on a regular basis to say okay so my contract is up in May. We're now in April. Okay, I've contracted to you, but if I serve you two weeks notice, if something comes up, then I can move. And I'm mm. saying this to illustrate, regardless of how we feel about agreements, for me, getting my paperwork in order or getting an understanding of it, reading it for myself, asking the questions as well, because I think we don't do that enough when it comes to getting that employment contract. We're very happy. We're just like, oh, they made the offer, da, 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 and we go and we don't go. What do you mean by yeah. this non-compete here that's 10 years long? Oh, Or, you know, <laughs> we're not looking at the small print, but we're not realizing that we are within our rights to ask that so that when we show up on day one of that job or when we start to send over those deliverables to that client, we can feel safe and clear in what's going on. And I think last year for the first time ever, I started to remove the perspective that contracts are aggressive and they're designed for one person to screw over one person and the other the movie version of what you see when when lawyers step into the scene on the soap opera and I started to realize actually no this is a great way of protecting good relationships when you find them and things like that most definitely and a lot of things what something you just mentioned and a lot of things a lot of people especially in in employment don't do is Mm. negotiate their own contract we tend to just accept um, you tend to just accept what they're giving to you in in the contracts. And I say that from a standpoint of somebody who writes contracts for people. Mm. Whatever contract I'm writing is to benefit the person who's employing me and paying me. Yes. Now, I'm not going to write a contract 100. that's going to screw over the person you want to work with. However, I'm going to put your best interest mm. in that contract. Now, it's up to the person who you give it to, to do their homework mm-hmm. and basically say, yeah, this doesn't agree with me. Because when I'm writing for my clients, that non-compete clause is going to be in their favor. That yeah. non-solicitation is going to be in their favor. <laughs> that intellectual property right is going to be in, their, in favor. their favor. So it's up to you as an individual to now read the contract and say, actually, hang on. If I'm creating something, 
fair enough I'm doing it within your business but I want to have some kind of rights to it mm. and that's what a lot of people don't know when it comes to employment contracts whatever you create in most employment contracts belongs don't to belong them. to you it belongs to your company mm. so you need to figure out oh hang on no 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 this isn't going mm-hmm. to work for me so we need to have some form of you know can I license it can yeah. I do that so you need to negotiate it it's just like how people like to negotiate their salary yeah negotiate other elements of your contract that are much bigger than your salary but you don't realize it yeah like you'll see someone's employment contract garden leave one year so what you're telling me i can't work for a year mm. just because i'm leaving mm. your company type of thing non can yeah. work in the same industry for five years that doesn't make any sense mm. so you've got to be able to you know fight for what you want effectively because people will take you for everything you own if yeah. you have no idea what you're doing and a hundred percent. And I think that's so funny because as you were mentioning that, I distinctly remember um, Bozoma St. John. She is the at present the chief Ooh, marketing. Uh, yeah, she, yeah. Yeah. She's over at Netflix and um, she did a number of workshops last year, which I loved. And she was just, you know, somebody got onto the topic of negotiation and she was just like, yeah, when Netflix sent me that contract and said that they can just throw me around the world at the last minute, I said, question, I am a single mother. Mm-hmm. My motherhood is important to me. So instead of you throwing me over in 48 hours, I'm going to need 72 hours. And if you require me to be somewhere for business beyond five days, then my child comes with me, expenses yeah. paid as well as a caretaker to be with my child while I am executing these meetings, etc. Now she's at a senior level. However, comma, each of us probably have something similar to that. I remember even when I was working in hospitality where they were like, you sign this to agree to work basically 1000 hours in a week. And I remember when I first got that, I questioned it and a colleague said, oh, that's just standard. But, you know, it's okay because it it basically just allows you to do like a seven day week one day. And then the next week you get extra time off. There is no extra. There is no extra. There is no obligation for this hotel to say to me, you've been working 13 days straight. We should give you 10 days off. No, no. What you have just signed there means that I could work a seven day week for the whole of the summer in their busy period and nothing, there's nothing that I can do with it. So I'm saying that to say, for those of you who have a contract, don't think that we need to be chief marketing executives (laughs) over at Netflix to negotiate things. Now we're not saying, you know, if you're working for a hotel, especially right in the season, don't ask them to expense pay for your child to come, but you know, read the room, but read the contract. And, and have that conversation most definitely negotiation is is key because the honest truth is if your contract doesn't work in your favor you're going to hate yourself mm. you're going to hate your job you're going to mm. be absolutely miserable so what what exactly is the point yeah like yeah. my company there's some people who work weekends but they do it on like a shift thing I'm a straight nine to five. That was one of the first things I said. Yeah, yeah I got to come see that. We need is to this real nine to five? <laughs> because and that was my first yeah. question because I understand the way the company was structured, but mm. my role was nine to five, and I was like, "That's that's fine. That's perfect. That's, yeah, you know, I read the weekend emails they send me. I'll answer them on Monday. Mm. So everybody who I work with knows if we send um, if they send me a question on anti money laundering or compliance on a Saturday or a Sunday, we don't get a reply from home till Monday. Mm. I'm not looking. Yeah, in. send it if you want. Send it if you want. Monday. That's it. Monday. <laughs> you get it Monday. And not nine a.m. Because once I log on, I'm not no. one to throw yes. myself into emails. Or to emails like is not work, people. <laughs> Please. Emails is actually not the <laughs> job. 
So, um, and unless of course you work in support, then emails is your job. It's the job. But the um, job. for a lot of people, emails isn't the job and we get that twisted. And I think what we've touched on here is boundaries. Boundaries are yeah. important. Agreements enforce boundaries, but we have to decide what those are for ourselves in the first instance. Um, has that been something that's come easy to you in your career, especially kind of working full time and having the business? What does that look like for you? Uh, that's something I had to learn over time. In in life, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I think I've always known that. And I had to embrace that and then work with that. Because it's just no point. That's just me as an individual. I always want to make sure everybody is fine. Everything is, you know, everything is great. Everything <laughs> is, you know, I would... I will will be somewhere. There'll be no seat. I'll be the person standing and just making sure people have their food. People have their this. <laughs> that's me, and that's always been me. Yeah. But you know, you have to learn. I think this whole narrative of if you're a people pleaser, you kind of have to change who you are. I don't believe in that narrative. I just think you have to figure out the best way to make it work in your favor. Mm. So don't change who you are. Just like you rightly said, create the boundaries you know, when it gets to where my energy is completely sucked out for the benefit of other people, then that's a problem. That then becomes a thing of, that's my fault because I've now allowed people to zap me of my energy and whatnot. So um, Mm. in terms of learning boundaries and learning it at work, what I like about my workplace now is I'm pretty much left to do my own thing. Yeah. So, you know, there is the trust there in management that so my role sits within management anyway so there's a trust there that I know what I'm doing I'm qualified to do mm. what I do so unless so I'm not micromanaged because that's one thing I cannot handle I cannot yeah. handle being micromanaged it's, it's, it's extremely annoying so that helps in setting boundaries um what also helps in setting boundaries is that if you send me a long-winded email at 4 30 p.m you will not receive a response until the next day because I'm just like, why? Why, why would you do this? such a thing? Like, I get emails and it's 4.59. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. There's no way on God's green earth. Even if I'm not off the computer because I'm working mm. like an extra 30 minutes to complete something, I'm not going to respond to that because you have to learn how to say, you're not going to email me at quarter to five and expect me to email you back quickly mm. just because you need to clock out at five o'clock no that's not my problem yeah clock out at five if you want you get my response the next day so for me it's been um learned over time and I think it's also been learned because I had to apply the same boundaries in personal life mm. as well as you know professional life so and obviously having the business as well helps because there has to be a hard line between where business stops and starts and where um my day job stops and yeah. starts because yeah there are times when I have um client deadlines and I'm logging out at five and I'm looking at the time I'm thinking oh my days mm. I just want to sleep however I have to, <laughs> I have to eat something to real quick and then jump exactly, on exactly. The so and um obviously having a baby as yeah. well as great as my husband is at helping me especially now that I've gone back to work and I went back mm. I literally went from maternity to full-time straight there was no there okay, was no middle ground um, yeah. phasing it. No, I went back full full time straight. So with her as well, I've kind of had to set this boundary of I need to spend time with my family. I kind of mm. just log in for work, finish at five, eat quickly, and then I'm doing side hustle till eleven. 
where I've spent time with my baby the entire day (laughs) type of thing. So, you know, so there'll be times when at work, and I think working from home now, there's an understanding of if I'm on the phone and you hear nursery rhymes in the background, yeah, she's in the office with me. There's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. Like I called my boss the other day and um, she was on the phone, so she didn't answer. But mm. I didn't hear the phone ring. I just thought it wasn't ringing. But apparently she had answered because mm. she sent me a text message and she was <laughs> laughing. And she's like, I hear your daughter in the background screaming her head off. <laughs> so obviously she had wouldn't. a small child as well. So she yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like she was offended or anything. But to me, it's kind of like, oh, that is what people hear when they listen to me and stuff. She's literally there. And we weren't, even in the same, we were not in the same room. I was in the office, she was in the bedroom watching Coco Melon and screaming at the top of her lungs. And how she heard her, I have no idea. <laughs> so it's things like that. And I think when you're open at work and kind mm. of like let them know this is my situation, it's not a case of respect it or don't respect it mm. kind of thing. Because it's, um, how do you say, you catch more flies with honey than you do yeah. vinegar. So there's no point in being like, this is it. This is my life. This is my situation. You either mm. like it or lump it. It doesn't make any sense. So to set yeah. boundaries, I feel like you've got to be nice about it as well. Appeal to people. Because a lot of the times people do understand what you're going through. Yeah. So my managers, they have kids. So mm. some of them might have all the kids, but they also have an understanding of what it's like to juggle yeah. you know, my current situation, my current position and things like that. So in terms of boundaries at work, it's a case of just making people understand, look, this is my current situation. And if anything, live in the moment, throw in the pandemic. This is what is happening. Everybody's <laughs> stressed right now. Just so, throw it all in the box. Just throw just... it all in the pan. Just throw it all in the pandemic yeah. and stuff. So yeah. I think with age, with experience, mm. boundaries have come easier. If I don't text you back for two weeks, that's not my problem. I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's just I've been busy and I think you have to learn how to sit in I've been busy and I just couldn't get back to you yeah like you don't have to feel bad for not getting back to people because mm. I'm now of the understanding if I call you my friend or my family and this is now moving on to personal life and things yeah. like that because yeah. at work I'm so at work I understand because I'm getting paid to do something. So there are certain obligations that I do have and there are certain um, you know, requirements that I have to meet. So I can't use everything as an excuse. You know, um, so I didn't reply that work email because I was tired. No, you're paid to actually respond to some of these <laughs> things. So, um, but in terms of life and people and setting boundaries, I feel like mm-hmm. if your family and friends get too easily upset because you didn't pick up one, mm-hmm. because, you know, they called you three times and you didn't answer. That's too it's, that's too stressful for me. You've got to be okay for me not to answer your phone call and return it in two days. You've got to be okay for me to prefer text messages over telephone conversations and things like that. Yeah. So setting those kind of boundaries and just and just being like, guys, this is the way of life now. So yeah, let's all deal with it. Let's all be okay. Let's all come by and be okay together. I think that's so important because it's actually it's a conversation that I had with a client this week actually well a coaching session that I had with a client um and what she was realizing is that she said yes to absolutely everything because when she was looking at the boundary she didn't feel like there was anything inside the boundary worth defending Mm. so she just let everything Mm. in yeah 
And I think it's almost once you get to that space, and and this is definitely what's been true of me, when you're really grounded in what you are defending, your peace, your joy, your family, your marriage, your motherhood, your rest, your health, all of those things, and keeping those front of mind, it makes it easier to say no, or especially from a people-pleasing point of view, because I'm in that crowd too, not yet, not today. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. in two weeks maybe the next time you have brunch next maybe your next barbecue or your, mm-hmm. your other child's birthday party mm-hmm. I will be at all yeah. of those those things because we know what we're choosing because we know and we then become acutely aware that saying yes to one thing means saying no to the other and do, do I want to say no to my daughter is, is mm-hmm. that an option yep is that what we're doing? There may be some moments where that is an option, where it is, please go to your, fa- I don't even have children. I'm the oldest of four kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm having, I'm having big sister flashbacks of that yeah. moment <laughs> when my mom would jump on a call and it's very clear that we are not the priority. So Jazz, you, you need to take your role as big sis yeah. and come in and sweep up the toddlers and bring them into the next room because this is business. Um, and I say that from the context, my parents they run their own business. So my six weeks holiday was when that phone rings, you switch off everything and go quiet. So my mom can go, good afternoon, Broughtons of London. <laughs> and we all just have to be quiet. Just zip be quiet. it. Just, yep. just zip it. This is how we yep. pay the bills. Um, and so, um, yeah. Yeah. I think just when something triggered when you were, when you were speaking, and I think I learned when you said, you know, learn to say things like not yet and stuff mm. like that. Another thing I learned, um, in being able to set boundaries is being okay with not giving an answer straight away. Mm. So not even not yet or no or yes. It's do you know what I'll circle back to you. Let me get back to you on that. Like mm. give yourself space to actually think and put things in perspective. Because I might want to say yes, but then because I'm trying to set boundary, I say not yet. Yeah. Or I say no. And then when I go back and think about it, I was like, oh, I could actually have done that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that type of thing. So giving yourself the grace to say, you know what, let me think about it and I'll circle back to you. Yeah. And people have got to be okay with that. And if someone isn't okay with you saying that, then then you just drop it. Then yeah, yeah, then I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Then do you really want to be involved? Do you want that? to like, don't yeah, rush me exactly? Into, yeah. So I think you have to be okay in saying, let me get back to you on that. Wow. I feel, so yeah, I'm just, there's just, there's so much to unpack. Um, but I want to ask you the question I ask everybody, which is, yeah. you know, in this moment, as we're recording in this present day, what is your career teaching you? In this present moment, I think my career is teaching me, obviously this present moment takes into account the pandemic as well. So, yes, yes um, we are, we're not even going to pretend yeah, that it's not a yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> I think my career is teaching me you've got to be better than you think you are. That's mm. me. And um, do you know when people talk about things like imposter syndrome and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Okay, so a part of me, I'm like 50-50 when it comes to this imposter syndrome because sometimes I'm literally like, accept it. No, it's not imposter syndrome. You are just an imposter because you haven't done the work that Before. you need to have done. <laughs> you you haven't, haven't done it. So sometimes it's not jump on the bandwagon of, oh, is it imposter syndrome? No, you just haven't done the work. So you are an imposter Mm. type of thing. So, you know, depending on the circumstances, I float either way. You have to be realistic with yourself. So I think for me, for work, it's currently teaching me, am I genuinely as good as I think I am or as good as people at my workplace think I am? 
So it's mm-hmm. teaching me to evaluate myself. Because the pandemic, I had so, because I went from being furloughed early on, straight yeah. to maternity leave. So I literally have been off work for like a year and a bit. Yeah. So I went, you know, I think I went furloughed like March last year. When I maternity leave in May, I literally just went back to work last week. Wow. So I have been <laughs> off for a very, very long time. So it's one of those things like, am I expendable? in my workplace what do I bring to my workplace so it's not all about being negative but it's about learning how to do a lot of personal evaluation what Mm. do I have to do to get better at my role which is why I'm really now big on knowing the structure of my business where do I actually fit in and if I do want to progress where can I progress to because I'm a believer just because you like the role doesn't mean you need to be stuck in that role. Mm. If you like the company, all well and good, figure out where you can move to in the company. Yeah. And if you don't like the company, get out. Yeah. But obviously don't <laughs> leave. <laughs> don't leave without having something else in don't place. That's not people, what I'm advising. Please. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, in this moment, my work is teaching me self-evaluation. What am mm. I good at? What do I need to get better at? Because like one of my managers, he'd called me, he's like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're back because, um, you know, this document needs to be done. But um, so just a whole bunch of conversations about, I'm going to tell them, oh my God, I'm really glad you're back. I can trust that you can do it because it's your area of expertise. And I did find myself questioning myself and saying to my husband, because at times when I do work, I'm just like, I'm doing the the most basic thing I'm doing the most basic thing like am I actually doing work work type of thing and I yeah to my husband I'm like are these people you know let's use slang are they guessing me are they you know are, are they, they really just love slang? that and um, I was just like I'm not sure I look at myself sometimes when I do work and they're like okay I read a document and edited I don't understand <laughs> what what was so great about that so I think it's me being able to look at the things I've achieved thus far, mm. look at where I am now, look at where I want to go in my career. How do I get there? So is it taking an extra course, which I'm taking now and I have a deadline on Monday, um, yeah. the Monday for this recording, that is. Excellent. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you. So, um, so it's things like that. Mm. It's constantly you know, being happy with my progress. So not, you know, being down on myself, but constantly being willing to do better. And I think that translates over to the business aspect as well. How do I um, better myself for my clients? How do I retain more knowledge? How do I gain more knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's the space I'm in right now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you for taking us to that space. <laughs> so so fluently, as soon, you know, as soon as you even started to articulate, you know, furlough straight to maternity and now I'm back, a year of not doing the thing that you know you're good yeah. at. Intellectually, you know you're good at it. You've done years, but you sit at that desk and it's like, okay. Let me tell you, begin. my first day, I was tired. I think by the time I finished, I slept. I was like, my yeah. brain is fried. And the worst part of that is I did the most basic things. Yeah. So I didn't even do what I would do on a regular basis. It took me forever to figure out what document was in which folder again. It mm. took me forever to figure out how to that you know, muscle it just memory. Started, it was just like that muscle <laughs> memory. It just it wasn't there. Yeah. It took me a long time to be like, oh, actually, hang on, this is how I did this process. Like my assistant manager had to talk me through some things. Mm. And in my head, I'm thinking, 
I designed this <laughs> process. She's talking me through it. How do yeah. I not remember what I did? So it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things that she was always laughing at me. She's like, you trained us on this, by the on way. This. Are you so, sure you, know, you want me to walk in? I was like, trust me, I have Please. no idea. I wouldn't be trust asking me. if I wouldn't be asking if I if I remembered. I had to yeah. go ahead and be like, by the way, which folder is this thing in again? And she burst in laughing. I was like, I genuinely just don't remember. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. That's like that's like the moment when you take two weeks off work and you've forgotten all the passwords, but times yep. ten. Yeah. Because you, yeah. Wow. I was on the I, I was on the phone to IT for hours. I was like, if they were like, Do you remember? No. No. Start from scratch. Start I remember nothing. <laughs> all of the hit, hit the big uh, red button reset to reset everything. I will spend scratch. half a day just organizing. That was that was it. Wow. Oh well, thank you so much for sharing that with us and just ah oh, all of your gems. Where can people connect with you and everything that you're doing and seek your services as well? So I um. I'm currently mainly just on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I am on LinkedIn, but which is where I really use my LinkedIn. You would think I would use it, but I really use it. Um, Instagram is lead collective one, because for some reason someone took lead collective and doesn't mm. do anything with it. Um, so it's lead collective one on Instagram and on Facebook as well. That's where you would mainly find me putting out tips. Um, that's where you also find links to the different things that I do so I do offer a 15 minute um free legal insights if you just want to have a quick chat that's where you would just find um links to like recordings of webinars and other things that I've done and things that are available on there so lead collective one the number one on Instagram is where you can find me Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to make sure that that is all linked into the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me, me. telling your story. Um, Yeah. So much to get into. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jess. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Phenomenal Career Podcast, where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build a career that stands out. Don't forget to leave a review and reach out on social media to let us know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Did you also know you can work with me to create your own phenomenal career through coaching in the Career Clubhouse? You can even invite me to work with your whole team through group coaching and interactive workshops. Check the links in the show notes for more info. As ever, I wish you nothing less than a phenomenal career.